Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Arsecast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra, not with James from Gunnerblog because he is away on this crazy thing called a holiday. I've got no idea what that is, but uh, good luck to him. Uh, with me today in his place off the bench, Tayo Papula. Goodly morning to you, Tayo. Uh, can I say goodly morning? That feels like I'm really stepping. That's, that's like putting on. James's number that's like putting on the number 10 shirt like as a <laughs> um I'll say um I'll say buenos dias uh, buenos dias okay buenos dias because I'm in I'm also on holiday but you managed to write me in um I'm saying this to you from Ibiza um so sorry so you're, yeah. you're you're in Spain James is in Spain and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here it's lovely here in Dublin by the way it's great it's like I can see some blue sky it's good yeah yeah, anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> but, but thank you for uh, thank you for having me on. It's always nice to uh, it's always nice to do this. Not least because um, I have to put my phone mentions on silent as um, it just goes kaboom. Yeah, a bit crazy. Um, yeah, but um, it shows that people care. And there's lots of questions on lots of themes, but we'll get to that. I'm soon. sure we will. I'm sure we will. So I mean, like uh, on holidays, Arsenal winning, mm. life is mm. good. I guess. Can't, can't yeah, complain. I mean, like. I, I came on I came on holiday just after the City game I think mm. or was I here for it um, and then obviously you got the international bit which helps you forget about football and relax and then get it out of your system um, and um, you know now we're good again now it's completely back on <laughs> um, I um, I messaged um, Orbino this week um, to, to say how many um how many times has a team won the league after losing the first three games of the season? Right. And it has happened twice. Okay. It has happened. It has, yes, it has happened in, I am looking through for Robinho's answer. It happened to Liverpool in 1904, I think. Right. And so it's, it's happened twice, basically. Okay. I'm going to find it in a sec. And the point is, is that, if it hasn't happened for a while, then so, it can happen again. It's overdue, is what you're saying. 
it is absolutely overdue that we may very well win the league. It, it, it's not impossible that we'll, that we'll win the league this season. Here we are. Orbino, two teams have won the title after losing their opening three matches. Liverpool in 05-06 and perhaps Omenili, if that's a word. It isn't. Burnley in 1920 and 21. Right. So, so it is well and truly overdue. If it's been 1920-21, it feels like this is something that needs to happen again pretty soon. Exactly. And as as Smithy, uh, at Steve underscore JN Smith, said at the time, if the answer is yes, then it means it can happen. And if the answer is no, then it means that it's due to happen. So, (laughs) So, my friends, it is possible that we may win the league scoring one goal a game between now and the end of the season. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like 35 goals <laughs> <laughs> scored all season, 30, 35 clean sheets, and we somehow managed to walk our way to... I mean, 35 by three, it's still a lot of points. It's, what, 105 points. There you go. Like, That'd win us the go. title, I reckon. I'm just saying believe. That's what I'm here for today. And maybe that's the holiday in my head. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to this and uh, people can snip out this particular bit of audio. You know the way they always do that quote yeah. thing when, you know, somebody makes an Egypt of themselves. Far be it from uh, for me to say that that's what you've done here. But, you know, I look forward to this being a, a meme, uh, some audio soundtracks, <laughs> all of those kind of things taking place. So. <laughs> I like the fact that you've absolutely made it. You've made an idiot of yourself, but it's on your podcast, mate. So I want you well, to that's share the blame. True. That's true. <laughs> I, I'm the one who extended the invitation to you. So, there we go. <laughs> so look, Arsenal beat Burnley one nil. Um, it wasn't the 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 most fun game I think I've ever watched in my entire mm. life, but there was something pleasing about the last two games um, in the sense that. When I'm looking at this team, uh, you know, where we were a few weeks ago and how difficult everything was and how just how miserable everybody was for good reason, what what I wanted to see from the games that we were, in inverted commas, supposed to win were things that I could get a little bit encouraged about. And I still think we've got some way to go when it comes to to uh, clicking as an attacking force, as our, you know, two goals in two games uh, has demonstrated. <laughs> but I do think there were things... That, uh, that that we can be pleased about, that we can be encouraged about. And when you go to a place like Burnley, you've got to be defensively committed to deal with the kind of football that they play, to deal with the crowd, to deal with their manager, all of that kind of stuff. And, and this sort of... I hate to use the word narrative, but you know what it's like, that Arsenal are a soft yeah. touch. We're easily bullied. We're not quite up for the fight. We're not as physically robust <clears throat> as some of the teams. Like, if you get if you get into our faces, we don't like it, etc., etc. So I think one of the things, one of the first things I think we could discuss about this game is the fact that, you know, Burnley tested us. They weren't brilliant or anything like it, but we know they're going to be a physical test, and we more than stood up to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually um, it was actually helpful that it quite obviously came up before the game. It always does, as you say, with these kind of fixtures. And I think Mikel Arteta addressed it on his Friday conference, didn't he? It was like, mm. there is this story that we are this, but we need to make sure that we're not soft in the middle. We're not like so. They went with that in mind. It's almost like those days when um, you know, when Ferguson would say, "Well, I hope we get a strong ref." Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like just putting putting it out front to make sure that that 
whatever the other failings might be, this wasn't going to be it. And and it wasn't, um, as I'm sure we'll come on to, you know, um, really strong defensive performance and some, it's great seeing sort of Gabrielle step into that um, uh, specifically. Um, um, he stood out for me, obviously. Um, and we did have that defensive solidity and that's that's something that has been a concern and uh, um, a priority for uh, Arteta ever since he took over. I mean, it seems like a long time ago now, but mm. we were leaking goals all over the place. So we've definitely got that bit right. Mm. Something that I'm sure we're going to come on to, not least because half the questions have alluded to that, um, are the issues further forward. But from defensively, from dealing with the, as you say, the, the crazy crowd, the, the something about Again, something about Sean Dyche and his <laughs> lot. Um, and he really is stepping so beautifully into um, Allardyce 02. The Pulis and, zone. Um, Pulis, the Pulis ad, uh, to infinity zone. It absolutely fits in perfectly. Um, so it's really, really pleasing to go. Is it, uh, for us to go there and to not fall into the story? Because you know that um, Dyche would have done that it's something about like certain kind of managers. They, they always used, they used to be center halves and stuff like that. That sort of <laughs> laugh, that sort of laughing on the sideline. Well, if that's a foul these days, well, well, well yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Look, his legs he, hanging off back in my day. He used to be able to like go on the pitch with a cutlass and, and, you know, slash the man to death. But these exactly. soft footballers these days, yeah, he is a bit like that, isn't he? But we didn't fall for... I mean, who did they beat up the week before? Quite um, Everton. They to, well, they, yeah, were, they played they Everton on Monday, yeah, and lost. Um, but not without leaving a few tackles on people. Mm. So, it, yeah, it, it fit. It was nice to put that out the way, basically, very quickly. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a reason to be cheerful. Yeah, for sure. You know, Burnley, uh, one point so far this season. They've played five, drawn one, lost four. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, on the basis that their form hasn't been great. I think I was watching match the other day on Saturday night and it said uh, something along the lines of, of Burnley having not won a home game since January, which seems remarkable. But even so, you know that despite that record, you know, when they face a team like Arsenal, we know that, that Sean Dyche has got a bit of previous with us, with Arsene Wenger, with the, with the club. You know, some of the, some of the moments, some of the defeats that have been inflicted upon them where he has felt, you know, aggrieved. They're definitely going to be up for it in in that sense um although i was you know relatively pleased that there weren't any tackles like we saw against everton i was a bit worried for a couple of our players that maybe they might get subjected to something like that but there really wasn't anything too uh brutal a couple of cynical fouls all right but nothing too over the top yeah i mean i think there was um and there does seem to be a steal or resolve about the players, about some of the players, either collectively, they were determined not to be caught out and become that that Arsenal, that Arsenal cliche. Mm. So, so yeah, that was a um, yeah, that's something for us to hopefully hopefully build on. I mean, I mean, mm. it has to be something to build on because we are deficient in other areas. But for that not to be the issue, for us to not be a pushover anymore, for us to go, you know quote unquote up north and not get rolled over is 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 
is it's nice to have that one less of a problem. Yeah, it was a pretty attacking lineup as well, wasn't it, from Mikel Arteta? Mm. When when you know you start with Thomas Partey at the base of midfield, you've got Odegaard, Smith Rowe, Saka, Pepe, and Aubameyang ahead of him. I, I wasn't really expecting that. I mean. Uh, I was pleased by that aspect of it, I have to say, because I feel like sometimes he has been a bit too cautious when it comes to his team lineups. And I do understand it to an extent, but there comes a point where you want to see him say, well, fuck it. Let's just have a go (laughs) and let's see what we can produce. And I'm sure we'll come on to the fact that from an attacking perspective, it didn't quite click, even though I think there are things that we we could be encouraged about. Is it a case that, you're worried when you see that happen where, you know, he picks this lineup. It doesn't quite come off the way we would have liked. Is that a case that, well, is that the best we can do? Or is it a case that, well, this is the first time he's really picked that lineup. Maybe it needs a bit more time to, to really find its momentum. Yeah. Well, the fan in me wants it to be the latter, obviously. Mm. Um, But I also think that it's become, it's become too easy to slip into the thought that for us to be defensively solid, we have to be c- kind of b- boring or dour with it. Like, mm. I mean, having Tom, having someone like having someone strong defensively, like Thomas Partey, who is also, you know, strong going forward. That's how, mm. that's how good teams build. Right. You know what I mean? Um, if you take someone for some reason, I'll apologise that Busquets is the first person that came to mind. Busquets was defensively, obviously, fantastic, but he could play football. Mm. So it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be one at the at the at the cost of of the other. So that defensive having you can be defensively strong with attacking players in the team if those at the base can do more. I mean, we're talking with we've 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 had years of like <laughs> El Nenny and Shaka and that sideways passing, whether it was Danielson before or not, these mm. players came in, could do one thing, but couldn't do the other. I think trying to get the team to play um, better attacking cohesive football, but with solid midfielders um, and a base, at, well, defenders who can defenders who can play through the lines and uh, defend, uh, midfielders at the base of uh, the team who can actually also contribute offensively. Mm. You know, um, so that has to be worked on still, of course. Um, but I'd like to see that team develop. I'd like to see that. Um, I'd like to see that attacking formation going forward because. God damn it, we need goals. Yeah, I mean, we do need goals, so we might as well talk about that side of the performance um, where, from an attacking perspective, it didn't quite work. I think there was something maybe just a little bit different where Arteta's teams have often been a bit toothless, haven't really created enough chances, haven't quite got the ball into areas where we can hurt the opposition. I think there was there was evidence that um, we did that against Burnley in the sense that I thought I thought what really let us down was the decision making in the final third the last pass a couple of times where it could have been played into the path of an attacker, which would have created an opportunity. A first touch, for example, there were two for Bakayo Saka where if his first touch had been as good as it normally is, he's basically in a position where he's got a one-on-one shooting chance with the goalkeeper. There was the Smith-Rowe chance where he shot fairly tamely at the goalkeeper. So 
again, if we're looking for some green shoots here, I know he didn't score a lot of goals, but I think there was something different about the way that we got the ball towards the opposition penalty area. The execution in the final moment wasn't there, but I think that's that's maybe progress. Again, maybe that's just me looking for something to be uh, really positive about. It's not necessarily that, but you know, like you say, as a fan, you want to see these positive things. And I just feel that with the right pass at a couple of moments, if Saka's got the right touch, you know, we probably score more goals and make this game a lot more comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am worried about us going forward. Mm. And the question that question that I still ask myself is what is you know, what is Arteta ball if anything what are they trying to mm. achieve we saw what we saw how we were trying to attack in a limited way obviously at the start with as did as did the entire world <laughs> give it to Tierney mm. and so it's great that we're trying to develop um, that differently but I still without being a tactical genius um, you've got you've got many people on the Ask Blog staff who can do that better than I can mm. but I do feel I I, I think that there's been. I still think there's a lot of pressure on on Saka. Um, I still think that we have to work out the spaces that Erdegaard and um, ESR are going to take up. Emil Smithrow are going to take up together. I still I still wonder how we could how we can attack better at speed mm. um, and. For us to attack Barris, we going back to what you said earlier on. Like we do need to see that formation more often. We do need them to, you know, you want some muscle memory to kick in, right? Mm. So for them to understand how to play with each other in such a way. And I think maybe they're maybe they're working it out, and we're working it out with them. It's very difficult um, to do that um, in real time when there's points at stake. But that's why two back to back one 0 wins against teams lower down the league are good because those are games where. You know, that's, that's just two more in the bank, basically. But I do think that there's an issue um, with the speed of the attacking and how whether whether those whether that attacking sort of quintet um, mm. still know where to be um, and where the focus is as well, because we have got questions about how Aubameyang's performing up front um, through arguably no fault of his own, because again, it might be what the system's demanding. But that I think, yeah. There's a few moving parts that aren't going, that aren't moving in 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 sync at the moment still. Yeah. But it's encouraging to have those amount of players on the pitch still trying to work that out, and that's 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 the training ground job. All we can do is sit and watch and wait and hope that it's in place by. Well, certainly by Sunday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was some suggestion that the pitch was very dry, that the grass was a bit long. You know, I I I feel like that's. You know, obviously a tactic from Burnley. Um, they want it that way, but I don't feel like that really is the the key issue for us. I think as professional players, <laughs> they should be able to come to terms with that. I mean, if you're if you're looking at that as the um, the reason why you know some of those attacking things didn't come off, or perhaps why the Ben White pass to Ramsdale was under hit, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I, I feel like it's clutching at straws just a little bit. Well, it's interesting that there's only one goal this, um, and um, Odegaard stayed on his feet and sort of beat his chest rather than the now traditional knee, uh, knee slide. <laughs> Do teams knee slide at Burnley? I always wonder because wasn't it wasn't it Vieira back in the day who 
injured himself. That was in, in that Man United game, wasn't it, where he scored the goal uh, to make it 2-0? The brilliant one that curled yeah. in, hit the crossbar, went down, and Schmeichel just well, had David no Platt. chance. Yeah. The David Platt game. The David yeah, Platt he, header he game. Himself, he did himself in. But I do wonder if maybe at maybe Burnley have, Burnley have kept the pitch dry just because of no, cause they don't want any fancy Dan celebrations <laughs> as well. So not only, not only to try and catch the, uh, an errant Ben White pass, but just to stop some of these fancy Dans sliding on their knees like that. Yeah, um, these artistic yeah, that's, people, yeah. Sean <laughs> so, so, so Dyche doesn't believe in any of that. Yeah. But um, it's, the, it's the John Beckification of the... Um, that's one for the old folks, John Beck at Cambridge. Um, we used to do that in the corners. Yeah, um, we, but look, we need, to play in, we need to play in any conditions, right? So, mm. um, so that, shouldn't, that certainly shouldn't be an issue. We need to be... Um, Stronger, more muscular, more muscular in the tackle, more muscular in the in, in, in the pass, more decisive in the pass, and that's not down to the slickness of a pitch. That's down to the training and the quick speed of thought, which which isn't quite clicking yet. No. But um, as I say, it's encouraging. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, it is a small little green shoot, something we can build on. You know, particularly ahead of uh, the next league game. I'm not necessarily talking about the next game because we play AFC Wimbledon in midweek and I think there's going to be some heavy rotation for that. But obviously, if things could click from an attacking perspective in the North London Derby, that would be very, very welcome hmm. uh, indeed. But let's talk about the goal. I did like this from uh, John Hossein, who's on the Discord on Patreon. He said, as good as the free kick was, how good also is it to notice that Barnes didn't jump? If he had, he might have blocked it. Perhaps he only jumps when he can elbow a player. <laughs> excellent yeah i don't I like actually barnes is kind of like he's like their sort of shane long isn't he kind of like just sort of annoying but sort of secret quite good does anyone else feel that do you feel that way about him or do was he on your hate list um barnes. i not really on my hate list i think the 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 ashley i kind of hate is westwood the guy in midfield mm. who hacked down bakayo saka he just has one of those faces it's like mm-hmm. someone tried to clone kieran trippier's face to make the most annoying face <laughs> in the world and then stuck it onto ashley westwood and he he now has the most annoying face in the world so barnes doesn't register as much for me as westwood <laughs> yeah, but it was a lovely, um, it was a lovely free kick. I did see someone saying, and I thought oh, I saw someone saying, probably you actually, um, that you were surprised to not see Pepe over the ball. Yeah, yeah, because that was that was his position. But it was a, it was a gorgeous, it was a gorgeous free kick, um, and great for Erdegaard to like. Mm. Is that his first on? Yeah, like first of the season. I was, yeah, I was just thinking that. I mean, he did leave. He left Real Madrid to come to... It's really encouraging that he left Real Madrid to come to a side that came eighth last year. And he looks really, really comfortable with it and mm. comfortable at the club. And they just... Whether it was a celebration around him and also there were some of the altercations where the players came around. It does seem like something is... And the youth has obviously got a big part of this. It does mm. seem like there's a that there's something being built there, that they're all comfortable with each other. And I don't know, I just sort of, again, looking for shoots as a, as a, as a fan, green shoots as a fan, mm. I did enjoy how much they sort of enjoyed the goal for him. And yeah. for, for, us to be, for us to be useful again from, from, from set pieces um, would be nice. 
Yeah, I mean, when when it doesn't work for you, when your attack doesn't quite click, if you have somebody in the team who can produce a moment of of quality to win you a game, it is very useful. You know, I'm, just that sort of not quite a goal out of nothing, but uh, a goal or making the most of an opportunity, like like the foul on Saka. I think that could have been a really good chance if he played the right pass to Pepe. Given the way that the rest of the passes went, maybe he would have played it like three feet behind him. That would have gone missing. But you know, we really punished their cynical foul. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, hundred percent. And like, um, I think it was the was it Palace last season where um, Erdegaard dug that one out to the back post. Was it to Pepe on the back post? Martinelli, Martinelli on the back, Martinelli in the back post. And mm. we really needed, you know, the game was drifting in the same way, and it does need just a moment of precision when you're not taking the chances that we are now. So, mm. um, so yeah. So now we've got two. Do we have a free kick taker on the right hand side? Or we have a right footed free t- free t- kick taker. Aubameyang and Lacazette tend to take those, don't they? Um, they're the ones who are usually over those. Lacazette more than Aubameyang, I think, but obviously he's not in the team. So um, yeah. I would assume Aubameyang for a free kick like that. Yeah. So to um, and uh, yeah. So for that to for that to connect and that to be the only chance that we have um the fact that we take slightly better corners now than mm. than 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 we used to while we're struggling for proper offensive uh progress then those are going to be sort of super important and look if you're that's what that's what's supposed to happen in um championship teams go away yeah. one <laughs> one one chance away from home taken properly so uh yeah that's very enjoyable at the other end there was a bit of drama with the the penalty incident um var came to our rescue after anthony taylor pointed to the spot ben white um there were concerns and i've got a question about him uh for the second part Mm. of the show so i don't want to like delve too much into him um but i i think what was strange about his performance was you know, going into it, people were saying, can he compete in the air? Can he deal with the big strikers in the air? He had a tough time against Brentford, um, which I think was maybe a little bit overblown, but uh, he, he won plenty of headers um, against Burnley. I think, I mean, I think all the defenders competed pretty well, but where uh, people view Ben White's strength is, in, is on mm. the ball, basically, how he passes it, how he carries it. I, I think Burnley quite cleverly cut off the the lane where he drives into to carry the ball. But his passing wasn't quite there um, throughout the game. There were a couple of mistakes uh, on the ball where he got caught on the ball. I think one in the first half, or maybe it was the second half, I can't quite remember, where um, you know he should have just got rid of it, basically. Um, mm. I know that's probably anathema to him. He doesn't want to just lump it. He wants to try and keep possession. But there are times, and I'm sure he'll learn he's still only 23, there are times where you do need to just get rid of it. But that back pass to uh, Aaron Ramsdale was under hit. And yeah. while VAR, you might say, got us out of the hole we were in, I think we've got to give credit to Ramsdale, who won the ball. Yeah. It was Ramsdale who saved White's bacon more than VAR. Well, first of all, can we, first of all, just before we go on to the more grown-up stuff, just to say, Anthony Taylor is still a shitbag. And, <laughs> like, like to, he, gives his, he gives his decisions, like they all do, with so much confidence. And so it's, just, it's really, really pleasing when they're wrong <laughs> and when they have to go back on themselves. I just, 
I, I'm not past that just yet. But yeah. yeah, so the back. So okay, so back to the back pass. Ra- yeah, Ramsdale does. Ramsdale does great. Gets him out of jail. But also with Ben White, and um, I know we're going to talk about this. I mean, he has. He's has he had a has he had a consistent? He's only just started his own career at a club, mm. and has had and has had different formations and partners all the time. It's a it's a it's it's, a, it's an unsettling. It's an unsettling job, mm. you know, with a with 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 two weeks of international nonsense in the way as well. So, but as you say, we're going to talk about him later on. But yeah, Ramsdale definitely um, was quick off his line, um, and yeah, how many times has that gone against that in the last however many years? I can't remember too many fun VAR calls since it came in. Maybe there yeah. haven't been fans around. At least involving Arsenal, so um, so that was good, and it was especially good because <laughs> because Sean Dyche pulled out all the stops. Uh, yeah, there's a wonderful uh, screenshot of him uh, that I took during the game, and he's standing there with his hands on his head. Maybe I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Um, I don't want to use it for the podcast image today because uh, you know nobody needs to see that uh, for sixty or ninety minutes or however long this thing goes uh, on their podcast player. But I'll post a link to it, uh, and he's standing there with his you know his hands on his head, and he's like, he can't believe that it's gone against him, but it's the right decision. It is. Absolutely the right decision. I think we would be remiss not to talk about Ramsdale and to talk about the influence that he had on this performance because if there's defensive commitment from the likes of Gabriel, from Tommy Asu, who was excellent, um, you know, the 25-odd clearances that the back four made in total, I think we were helped by a goalkeeper who was dominant in the air, who came and didn't just punch things, he caught things, which I think really helped alleviate some of the pressure that Burnley were trying to put on us. Yeah, you always hear so much about uh, defences being made confident by a keeper. And you also don't know how much, without having played in that position, without knowing what a difference that can make. Mm. But um, if, well, certainly if the supporters are anything to go by, and, um, and if the defence feel anything like the supporters do then it's a brand new day with Ramsdale in goal, right? Maybe they've, maybe they've approached it the same way that we have in the sense that they want to believe it's true, so it's, hap- so it's happening. They're, he, he looks more confident all of a sudden. He's turned around a fan base that was probably sceptical, to say the least, um, but was also ready for change because Leno has fallen a little bit behind recently. So, I don't, so I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be kind of balanced in the sense that how much of it is an actual physical and um, emotional change, a tactical change, and how much of it is just us, again, wanting to believe. But so far, so good. He's vocal. He That that save off... Who was it off? The, 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 the acrobatic one? Oh, it was the guy who came on the... Let's just call him the Burnley player. Um, <laughs> that Burnley player, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but he was... Um, um, but that's you know you, 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 I saw that and I went yeah great Ramsdale but you think hold on Leno has done that as well yeah. many times but yeah catching catching with his leg up like one of those that yeah always seems, there was a good one always, wasn't there <laughs> yeah that was that was always the uh, that was a Leno not Leno that was a, Le- a layman yeah. a layman snide one he got that in always nice to see that a bit of an fu to the attacker um, so. He's he's coming in. No one expected this to happen this fast. 
Um, and that's a little bit of, dare I say, a bit of kind of ruthless, kind of gimlet-eyed Arteta. He's, he, he went for his man, spent a long time going to get his man, and has put him straight in after the break. And it makes him very hard to uh, to to remove now. So Yeah, I mean, um, let me ask you this, because we had a question on it, but seeing as we're talking about it, we might as well do it, uh, on the Discord from Cluck the Rotisserie Chicken, who says, do you think it was Arteta's plan all along to quickly introduce Ramsdale to the team, hence the hefty price tag and the summer-long push, or do you think the opening results forced his hand earlier than expected? Earlier than expected? He said, I think we were all in agreement that $25 uh, million for a backup keeper was way too expensive, but that Ramsdale was getting groomed into the number one spot this season. Mm. Could it be that Arteta's intention all along was to sign a straight-up first-choice keeper. I mean... Yeah, it would feel so, wouldn't it? I yeah. mean, James, James put up um, something from one of his athletic articles, didn't he, um, talking about um, that specific aspect of Ramsdale's character, like he was willing to fight, he was, uh, you know, he, his personality, his character is a good team, mm. like a good squad member, um with with a humility about him seems to have played a part um with that price tag he was going to come in this season of course and I, I think we are we are surprised at it but and it has been made easier by the fact that um there has been a kind of shaky start but look let's not like um you know he he's not renaissan um Leno was never renaissan levels of yeah incom- in, in, incompetence um and i guess I don't know, as I get older as a fan, I think when you go looking for something, you'll find it, mm. you know. Um, and, for example, the Brentford goal um, where he could have been stronger, but, you know, would we be saying that if we weren't looking for it? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah But yeah, it, does, it, it, it does feel like Ramsdale has come in as a step up, maybe because it's just a, a shiny new toy and the defence feel that too, but maybe that's coincided with Gabriel being back in the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe that's coincided with uh, Tommy Asu coming in serious bloody problem for us mm. when you think about um, set pieces and the people that Cedric or Maitland-Niles or whoever have been there marking certain set pieces. So maybe that's helped as well. Look, it's just a collective kind of upward tick, so... Um, yeah, so far so good for for the keeper. But yeah. I think he's there to stay for a while now, and it'd be interesting to see how Leno responds to it. Um, I think almost certainly either way, he was never going to be there at the end of at the end of the season anyway. Um, um, thank you. <laughs> Between um, he was going to yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> Yeah, he was never going to be there at the end of the season anyway. So yeah. between, um, uh, but whether he'll get phased out, given that we don't have any very very many cup competitions or anything anyway, it's going to be a lonely. He might not even make it past January. Mm. I, I enjoyed the bit as well. There was a bit in the second half where I think Tierney went down with cramp, and our our friend Ashley Westwood came over to to sort of remonstrate with him while he was on the ground. I think he thought he might have been time wasting or something like that. And Ramsdale just stuck an arm out to hold him off. Yeah. And I like that. I like that character. I like uh, you know I like when players stand up for each other. Um, so yeah, yeah th- there's. I think there's something to his personality or what he brings to the team in terms of his character that Arteta feels, you know, is probably missing from Leno. Leno is a different kind of guy. He's much quieter, I think, and and everything else. Um, I mean, you don't get to this level without having some personality or some character, but but certainly Ramsdale and Leno are different. 
yeah, um, I have. I don't know. I haven't seen enough um, of Ramsdale's shot, stop, shot stopping. I don't remember much of it from his uh, from his campaigns before. Uh, we know that um, we know that Leno was good at. I mean, Leno did get us out of jail um, on some on some occasions, yeah. but it's. I guess it's just the the commanding of the box and the that spreading of serenity um, amongst the the back players and the nervous fans, which is which which is gone and has been very very hard to get back. So um, I think it's a new path now. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So look, it's it's promising, like you say, early days, but so far so good when it comes to to Ramsdale. You mentioned Gabriel before we go on to part two. I think it is. Uh, it is something we should talk about because he has come back in. He has played a part in in two clean sheets. Um, and I thought he was really, really good in this game. Uh, you know, everyone talks about how Gabriel was uh, hugely impressive in the air. Um, he gave us presence. Ben White actually won more headers than, than Gabriel mm-hmm. in this game. So the eye test versus the stats test is quite an interesting one at times. But... He gave us a physical presence. He mm. wasn't troubled by the likes of Barnes and Wood to any great extent. There was one brilliant tackle in the box. His sort of acrobatic hook away yes. when they, you know, had a moment of danger. Um, I think that's, you know, on top of, if you remember last week, there was a brilliant block late in the game. I, I, I don't want to, like, draw... Uh, immediate comparisons, but it reminded me, those two things sort of reminded me a bit of the kind of defending that we used to get from Saul Campbell at times, you know, to, to, to absolutely snuff out a moment of danger. You look at a a game and it's like Burnley didn't have that many shots. Norwich didn't have that many shots, but a lot of that is down to how well and how committedly, committedly we defended, you know, but it's there for him now, isn't it? Because his first season in England was a bit tough. There was all the, the weirdness of last season anyway, being behind closed doors and he had COVID, he was in and out, et cetera, et cetera. He looks like he's found his feet. And I think Arteta talked a little bit afterwards about how he's, he's more settled now. He understands the language better. He can communicate better with his teammates. Um, I'm hopeful that he can really take a step forward this season. And, and from what we've seen so far, again, it's early days, et cetera, et cetera. But it does look promising. Yeah, we used to talk a lot in Arsenal terms, or well, I guess in football terms, we used to talk about, a lot about partnerships and that settled. There's so many new players and there's so many young players. And, um, you know, Gabriel spent half, a seat, like spent half his time playing alongside the, um, you know, the quite exciting clown show that was David Luiz at times, <laughs> you know, um, he's been next to a Rob Holding. He's next, you know, um, one of the things that his recovery, as you mentioned, and that's whole Campbell, he's, you know, he's athletic, he's big and he's fast. And so that recovery was there, but there was a real nervousness on the board at times. Mm. Um, maybe with better players or settled players around him, that will go. He needs to stay fit. Mm. Like for us to get a partnership, for him to get a partnership with Ben White, Tommy Asu, and um, and uh, Tierney, he needs to be fit, be comfortable, know that the first, that the same person is gonna like if he passes it into a Thomas Party, for example, 
Um, how much of a relief must it be as a central defender to know that his first instinct is to turn away and to spread the game rather than giving it back to you in the same tight space that you've just got rid of it? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's 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 a big thing. So, like, we just want to, yeah, you want to see Iran, you want to see some confidence, but he's got that athleticism and that kind of thou shalt not pass um, attitude that we've that we kind of want at the back. And mm. I kind of feel secure with thinking about him in a foot race with someone or going up in a, for a header with someone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's been a while. It has been a while. And look, I think when you, when you look at the, 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 the team itself in terms of its size, the, there is something different about it when you've got Gabrielle in there, when you've got Tommy Asu at right back who's six foot plus Ben White, I know he's not the tallest central defender, but Ramsdale, you know, there is a bit of presence back there and you do need that. You do need that. Yeah. Um, I am, I am, although I know I, I've, I've done this and known you long enough to know that the two things you care very little about and that I care massively about are the height of fullbacks. That bothers me. Um, I'm still not comfortable with, the, with Tommy Asu's height, but, I, but given that he's quite good, what, I'm, what do I'm you suggest he do about that? <laughs> <laughs> I remember once talking to um, or being talked at by Martin Keown at an event, and he said the one reason why Juru never made it as a super top defender was that his bum wasn't big enough, his haunches weren't big enough to be in a permanent... It was, <laughs> And if you can imagine what, you know, if you can imagine Martin Keown with his hands out in that kind of way, I'm doing it now, he's doing that, he's doing his hands out as if yeah, he's jockeying yeah. someone and he's looking out the corner of his eye like he does Martin Keown. You can see him doing it and he's scuttling from side to side like a crab <laughs> in, a, in a conference room at Arsenal explaining that Central defenders spend most of their game in a crouch and running in a crouch at top speed. That's right. why you need to have... That's why Sol Campbell was so good, because he had a massive backside, because he spent... So what I'm suggesting is that Tommy Yasu spends his time in a crouch, like Martin Keown was demonstrating that day, and then he'd be five foot nine, and then he'd be in my perfect fullback <laughs> size. Right. Okay, well, we'll we'll get that in a missive over to to Arsenal right now. And and what there the funny know. thing about that is, Martin Keown is such a serious guy. I'm <laughs> like he really funny. is. You can see that he he really really meant it. He was there. He oh had yeah, a few of us, a few of us um, round. And he said, "The thing is, and you need to be here, here, this position here, and you're jockeying, and you've got a defender on your left hand side, and everyone listening to this can see Martin Keown doing it in that way <laughs> because we've seen him do it on TV, living the moment. So yeah, so oh, that's something to think about. Brilliant. All right. Well, look. Uh, hopefully, uh, Tommy Asu's size does not impact the uh, level of his performance or, or how much you might warm to him as a player uh, down the years at Arsenal. All right. Well, look. We'll take a short break here. We're going to come back with your questions and more in part two right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter at DJ Tayo and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. Uh, Tayo, as you are the guest, I will uh, give you the honor, as they say, and you can have the first question. Okay, um, let's go. Um, I don't think this is. I don't think this is the case but it's got words in it like Arteta and Shaka so that will set us off someone has said to me King, he- King Henry underscore 14 I'm happy with that would Arteta's job be on the line when he brings Shaka back for the Tottenham game and he gets sent off or does something Shaka like which leads us to losing to them so would Arteta's job be on the line when, when he brings Shaka back and then he gets sent off or does something Shaka-like. Oh, there were a load of questions about, like, should Granite Shaka come back? Will Granite Shaka come back into the team, etc., cetera, mm. etc.? Cetera. I think he probably will, which isn't to mm. say I'm necessarily pleased about it, but just based on what we've seen in the past, I suspect that for a North London derby, he might bring Shaka back or will almost certainly bring Shaka back. What I would say is... Shaka, when he has been full Shaka, has usually managed on his return to be less Shaka. And you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he does the stupid thing, but then afterwards he sort of, he goes on this, this he has this little door that he goes through. It's the, the path to redemption. Mm. The granite Shaka goes, oh, I fucked it up. Here I go again. And he goes so far down the path of redemption. <laughs> and then he does another Shaka thing. Yeah. So my hope is that if he is picked for the North London Derby, the the proximity to his last Shaka moment is Best. is enough for him not to do anything to Shaka. That is an excellent, excellent point. And... Mm. Um, how the crumbs that we have to reach for is <laughs> yeah. too close to his last Shaka brain fart for yeah. another one to come so soon. Um, yeah, he'll always play him in a North London derby at home. It's, it, um, I, there was, was it a few weeks ago he said something, the core of experienced players he mentioned are, that were supposed to guide mm. the younger players um, didn't fill me with confidence when one of those players is Shaka, obviously. One of those players is um, captain by default. Mm. One of them is um, his support striker who's not starting. Um, he's dropped the keeper. Yes. So, <laughs> so so that's disappeared quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, of course, we'll, 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 we'll see him back. I'm not necessarily... 
against seeing him back for 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 a derby um the new midfield that we're trying to put together still seems a little bit too new for Mm. a game of this for a game of this kind of magnitude um but maybe i'm just expressing expressing the same kind of caution um that we accuse um, Arteta of sometimes, although I wouldn't be mad seeing him in there. I'll just be crossing my fingers. Yeah, I'm a bit like that. I've sort of, I've sort of reached the end of my tether with him, to be honest. Um, no, really? Yeah, but I can, <laughs> yeah, just. Uh, I, I, I mean, you have Andrew. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I just I can't muster up any any more justifications for the stupid stuff you know so i'm like you i'm hoping that he doesn't do anything stupid because when he is good he can be quite good it's just um i think i said on the the blog a while back like he's like a postman who who you know most of the time delivers your mail absolutely perfectly puts it through the letterbox but like a couple of times a year he just fucks a brick through the window uh, yeah. At some point, you're like, I think I would like a new postman. Um, but there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's see. Okay, I've got a question here from Jensen Armour, who says, are you starting to get concerned with how often Tierney and Partey get cramp or injured? Mm. I certainly am. We play one game a week now. Surely they should be fit enough to play 90 minutes a week. Should should we be relying on them short term? And there was another one from uh, Arsenal Oz. Uh, AUS, uh, who's AFC Australia on Twitter. He said, there were several remarks on social media of the players looking knackered and unfit. Arteta blamed the warmer weather, and he mentions the fact that uh, Feyenoord's coach appeared to criticise uh, Arsenal's training methods because Reese Nelson uh, picked up an injury when he went, uh, which I think had more to do with the fact that Reese Nelson <clears throat> just hasn't been match fit, um, rather than any sort of outright criticism of, of Arsenal's um training methods or fitness methods or anything like that. But, you know, when you are only playing once a week, regardless of how intense the the games might be, you would expect a player like Tierney, like Partey, to be able to get through it without cramping. Maybe that's part of the, the, the Burnley pitch uh, thing again. I don't quite know, but it is a little bit of a worry, isn't it? Yeah, it does worry. Like, you don't want your supposedly more robust or physical players to mm. to be the ones who go down so so easily the party thing um i just really i just really want to enjoy him and we haven't really had a proper chance to really for one reason or another and it, mm. there is a bit at some point you've got to say whether it's unlucky how much of it's unlucky or maybe it's how much down to um his physical condition although People have pointed out that he never had these problems before he came to Arsenal. Whereas with Tierney, I think we knew that Tierney was um, a brittle in in some aspects. I mean, he came to us injured, didn't he? So mm. there is an element. There is an element of that, and he, he gets through so much work. He gets through so much work at such a at that kind of lung busting kind of in the, in that lung busting way. Um, so yeah, it is a it is a worry. Well, there was a supplementary question to that from Guy at YUG seventy two guy saying, "Do you think it's worth playing party midweek for an hour to get some more match fitness?" Mm. Well, it's, yeah, uh, one level you go, yeah, that would be great. But then you could also see him 
picking up <laughs> picking up a, a, a hammy there as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 worrying, and it's also worrying because even before when we've had in, in our more illustrious past when we've had players going down injured, you felt a little bit better about the replacements coming in. I mean, if you want to go all the way back to whenever Vieira got injured, then you didn't would kind of worry when when Edu stepped in, for example. Yeah. Um, um, but that's not the case now because because of the sort of passivity of the squad and where we are kind of now, the we're not in a position now where we've got that fabled two in each position no. kind of thing. So, so it just becomes a bit more of a worry each time. But you can't keep protecting, you know, you can't keep protecting them. They've got to get out there and do it. Um, yeah. And... I... and, and and to hell with it. Yeah, I suppose the thing you would say about Partey is that he is only just back after a fairly long injury absence and an, in, an injury which I think he's probably still managing a little bit or certainly they're being cautious about. So, you know, he played 30 minutes, didn't he, against Norwich there thereabouts. He's played 75 minutes um, against Burnley. And I think he signaled um, at one point during the game, he signaled, uh, I thought, oh, maybe he's just telling them something. I hope he's not asking to come off and then he came off so maybe it is just a case that he is you know building match fitness I wouldn't put him anywhere near the team for the midweek game wouldn't have him in the squad at all maybe you could have him on the bench but it's one of those where I think if anything happened in a League Cup game against Burnley, even if the League Cup or against uh, AFC Wimbledon, even if the League Cup has a bit more importance to us this season than it might have done in previous seasons because of the the lack of Europe, if something happens to him in that game, you just don't get any forgiveness from anybody, do you? You know, it's like, why are you playing him in a game ahead of the North London derby, even if you could try and justify it by, well, we want to sort of get him more into his rhythm. I just don't think it's worth the risk. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've got one here from uh, Tom Stratton. Okay. Um, who, who says, do we need to revisit our analysis of the, and this is in, in inverted commas, Edu sacking all the scouts episode following this summer's business? Early days, of course, but the initial signs are that player identification has been solid. What do you think of that? Do we need to revisit that analysis? Um... I suppose it's too early to say, really. Um, I wonder if... The scouting thing is really interesting because at the period when all the scouts were fired, there was no football for any scouts to go and watch, or certainly they couldn't do it because everything was being played behind closed doors. So I just wonder if there was an economical aspect to it. But also, it's one of those things, isn't it, where... People have talked for years about how we need to improve our scouting. The scouting system that we had has brought us some good players. There's no question about that. You know, the, the uh, Francis Kajigao brought us some really excellent players and Martinelli was one of those. And it's easy to look at those as successes. But also, our scouting brought us players like Mustafi and Shaka to an extent and Lucas Perez and things like that where... You know, these players weren't really at the level that we needed them to be at, you know. So there, you could make the case that there was uh, a need for a change. So I think it's a bit too early. I like what I've seen so far from the players that we've brought in. Um, but I think we need f- for, you know, a bit more time to go by before we can make any definitive judgments on whether these signings have, have been a success. I mean, going back to Mustafi, do you remember we had like this run of 
20-odd games or something when he came in and we didn't lose and everyone was thinking, well, this is good value for money. He looks like quite a good player. And then over time, you realize that you could not have been more wrong. Um, so I think we just need a little bit more time. Yeah, I think Squilacci was quite good for his first couple of games as well. So um, I mean, that's so. exactly it. I mean, there's a player who... <laughs> you know, really should have been able to come in and and make a difference because, you know, the experience that he had and everything else, but it just did not work for him. While we're sort of on this, do you mind mm. me following up with this one from Nono Sayaya on the Discord? He says, it's early times, but a lot of the new signings seem to have the soft, intangible character about themselves and mm. seem up for the fight. Do you think this was an intentional goal of the summer scouting or more coincidence? Yeah, good question. I think it's linked with the age and the profile of um, <clears throat> the, prof- the the image of the team that Arteta ha- has spoken about. Mm. A band of, you know, a band of brothers, for, 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 for one of the better cliché. Obviously, Smith Rowe and Saka have kind of have, have grown up together. You've got people of a certain age um, blending together, like on a journey... Um, that none of them have, you know, none of them have come from a position from a winning, you know, a winning position before. So they've all got something mm. ahead of them. George Graham, you know, obviously spoke about that years ago with the with the profile of players that he was picking up around the time of you know Lee Dixon, Steve Bold, and so forth. I'm clearly not making a comparison in terms of quality there, sure. but in terms of trying to get a band of players together who are willing to grow together and will listen to listen to the manager um whatever it is and there's a question about what it is that he's imparting but yeah so there's a i i i do think it's i do think it's not a coincidence that the profile of the team um and the character that is being spoken about is 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 in evidence because um it's a greener bunch who are doing stuff together even from last season where you had, a, a, you know, a failing Chelsea rejects. You might say which one. Um, I just realised as soon as I said it, that doesn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> but you know, um, you know, Arteta, Arteta was playing football. I mean, Arteta was trying to manage people who were around. I've always found it odd the idea of a manager um, managing players who were around when they were playing. You can't have the same level of, you know, unless it's a super winning one a Guardiola style player then you you can't have <laughs> you can't respect in the same way surely you know mm. and now you've got now you've got a group of players there's a distance between the manager and them um they're doing stuff together they're all of the same age together and they're kind of fighting together you say Ramsdale um Ramsdale uh protecting Tierney um, I think that's the same picture. Was that the same picture that um, James posted yeah. as well, saying that he really liked that as well? Look, that's what that that's all that's all you ask for in the in the famous the the the, the um, Tony Adams. You need seven in the team, mm. you know, to uh, um, to look out for each other and so forth. So uh, yeah, so yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence. No, I don't either. I think there's something nice about it as well, you know. And I think the age thing plays a part. I think a lot of these players still have something to prove and things that they want to achieve in the game. And maybe it's easier to have that sort of camaraderie with guys who are sort of your own age, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
Like, does yeah. Ramsdale, and I'm not saying he wouldn't do this, but would he feel necessarily the need to protect Aubameyang? I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm sure he would in that, in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'd do mm-hmm. the exact same thing. But when it's somebody who's maybe a bit closer to your age, uh, your own age, that it, it's sort of more, you connect more with them. You know what I mean? Those relationships, those friendships within the team, um, mm. I think are a bit more organic. It sounds wanky, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And look, you have to try and find positives in the fact that we've got less football, but mm. there's more time on the training ground. There's more time trying to form a character and a personality because everyone's doing it at the same time. We've got new players, we've got a new manager, we've got a new, you know, it feels a new position that we need to accept mm. ourselves as a club. So it's a really big season for that kind of character building for that, dare I say it, a new DNA for the, for the, for the, for the club. Yeah. There was another question here that, uh, yeah, it comes from Robinho who's at Musketeer Robbie who says, mm. um, are there genuine signs that the culture is changing for the better? The new signings seem to inspire the team and the fans were brilliant on Saturday. It feels like a bit of a connection is developing between fans, manager and players. And like we saw at the end of the game, there was a bit of a, you know, um, I think there was some stuff thrown by some of the Burnley fans and the Arsenal fans reacted. And, you know, it, crowd trouble is maybe going a little bit too far. Uh, although I have to say, when I saw the crowd doing that, and then I was thinking about the energy crisis in the UK at the moment and the return to imperial measurements, I was like, the only thing missing here is a fucking minor strike. But I do think there is something there in that. Like, of course, there are all these doubts about Arteta and, and you know, the the way that the club is going and where we are and all those kind of things. But... Things like that, where there is a connection between the players, where Ramsdale is celebrating with the fans because the other 10 players are at the other uh, the other end of the pitch, where people are kind of standing up for each other. You know, those things, while you can't quantify them, I think they are kind of important. If you believe in something enough, if you want something to happen enough, then that's how it begins to manifest, right? Um, yeah. And the club has felt like it's in stasis for a while. We obviously didn't have... There was, for very obvious reasons, there wasn't a connection between fans and players over the last 18 months because that's been denied us. So we're looking for that new energy. And that's why it was important that William is not there anymore. That's why it's important that David Luiz isn't there anymore. That's why it seemed like a relief and a break when it looked like Shaka was leaving because we need that new energy at the club because that kind of, you know... It's like when, it, in a match, it's like when one tackle electrifies yeah. the crowd, yeah. right? So that's where we're looking at. That's what we're looking at now. We're taking these incidents. We might be in, fan, in, in, in that fan way. We might be adding sort of levels of import to them, which, which, which aren't rational. But by doing so, it becomes the truth. Mm. You know, It becomes the fact that we've got a young team who are fighting for each other. It becomes a thing that we're not going to get rolled over um, by um, orcish teams from up north and then you come back and you believe all of that which is why it will be extremely important when Shaka you know goes through Lo Celso in such a way that it's like that famous Sol Campbell slide tackle 
um, which when he takes him all the way to the corner flag with a slide <laughs> tackle and then the crowd are on their toes, yeah. that's why we're going to win 3-0 on Sunday. You know, I like it. I like it. Uh, the optimism uh, over the result <laughs> and the execution of the Shaka tackle are brilliant. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good. that will work. So I've got one for you. Yeah. Um, and it's something I've wondered about, actually, because of the, the load on him. Oli Tucker... Um, at Oli Tucker 93 saying what's your assessment of Saka's performances at the moment is he just is his current form down to post Euros tiredness is it playing on the left or just a natural dip in his development I think maybe it could be a bit of all of those things you know it would be he wouldn't be the first player to come back from an international tournament and take some time to find his feet again you know to struggle in the opening stages of a season I think that happens with more experienced players than Bakayo Saka. It's a mm. bit weird, isn't it, that I've seen people like really give him a hard time and I'm thinking, come on, for fuck's sake. Like he's only just gone 20 years of age, uh, if he's even 20. Um, you know, he's he was the bright thing in our season last season. Uh, and it's only a few games after he had a fairly traumatic experience. Let's remember, at the Euros, it wasn't just that he played in the tournament. It ended in a really traumatic way, even if there was this outpouring of of love and affection for him. You know, he was subjected to some really unpleasant stuff as well, which I don't yeah. think he could just, like, compartmentalize or put to one side or, or immediately forget about. I know that it's like critics, isn't it? If you're a, a creative person of, of any stripe that, you know... 10 people can give you a, a glowing review about your thing, but the one bad review is the one that sticks in your mind, you know? Absolutely. You know Absolutely. what it's like. So if, you're, if you've got all these people giving you love, it still doesn't help you forget about the really nasty, horrible people out there. So I think he's been through a lot. I think, um, I think he needs something for his season to spark into life. That's what it kind of feels like to me. I think there were signs in the Norwich game that he grew into it and was beginning to um, find his feet. I thought his his performance against Burnley was not great at all. There were the moments I already talked about where his first touch let him down, and, and normally he's so safe and so secure in those areas. But I think it's, <laughs> I think he just needs something to get him going, and maybe it's the first goal of the three nil win on Sunday that will do that. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's funny when you say that. I just remember what you said about the critics. I just remember being, you know, I remember playing at Fabric and everyone sort of cheering at the end of my stare. There was two guys in the corner. One had said something to the other. who sort of, sort of laughed and crossed his arms. And that, and that's literally all I thought about for about a month. <laughs> After, yeah. What were they saying? What did I do wrong? What was it? Yeah. So yeah, I totally, get, I totally get that one. But no, I think that my 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 thing with Saka is been the well everything that you just said but the kind of undo um of course it's unfair pressure because we're all looking for kind of heroes i remember um guy that we used to sit with a guy called sean every time um any tricky winger um mostly theo would get the ball like, get the ball he'd <laughs> shout he'd go go on to do something skibbity dip right <laughs> skibbity dip that's the tactical yeah yeah Skippity dip would mean just do something extraordinary by yourself, please, and get us out of this. And I just feel like there's a little element of that with Saka, and he's not that kind of, 
you know, he's not that kind of player. The best goal that we scored last season was the one that he dovetailed with Lacazette and Smith Rowe for that, you know. West Brom, yeah. Um, for the West Brom game. He's not a player. He's a, obviously he's obviously a brilliant player, but he's a brilliant player who works well with other players in tandem. And because we quite because we don't quite know what we are still at the moment, mm. um, he's been asked to do a lot um, without masses of support. I think that's why it's important that Erdegaard came into the sides um, to you know to have a, another equally potent kind of attacking third. You want another player of a certain level to be on the board in that attacking third. I think he's at the moment being asked to quite asked to do a lot with the kind of vestiges of the with, with with the remnants of the of of the summer still on him yeah um so i think you're right i think it makes perfect sense um that it hasn't come together just yet we're five games in after a huge summer for a just turned 20 year old player yeah. i'm not i'm not worried about it but i do get the fact that he's not at the level that he was um and um i'm, but I'm not surprised by it either yeah Again, as well, worth pointing out, after a really grueling season, because it was so condensed after the lockdown and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's not anything surprising or new that a young player maybe just hits a little bit of a plateau in his development. Maybe this is what it is, but I think we all know he's got the quality to, to do better. And I think he will do better. Just, you know, give him some time lay off him maybe he needs a game or two out of the team who knows but maybe he just needs that moment to to get himself going and uh you know as soon as he does and just yeah and just as a general point about the young attacking players that we've got i mean thankfully it's not as long a season in in some ways thankfully um obviously i wish we had more games but there's going to be another dip because they're because you're talking about young players um over a very long domestic premier league season so there's going to be those kind of dips, um, not just for Saka as he's going through now, but, you know, um, with Erdegaard and with Smith-Rowe and with, dare I say, we're expecting Tierney to perform at, you know, this insane level for for for, for 38 games. So um, that's where the squad um, or, or the backups might... We'll have to get through some sticky periods in later on because yeah. we don't have... Because away from the first team, um, the quality is not there. But that's down to our position and mm. who we are now. And that's what we, we're trying to sort of fight our way out of season by season now. Here's a question from the Discord from San Carico, who says, mm. uh, a lot is being discussed about Arsenal overpaying for Ben White and he not being a great defender. A £50 million player should be oven ready, etc., etc." He says, is the comparison with John Stones a reasonable one? Stones was a similarly priced, mm. uh, was similarly priced and at the same age as White when he signed for Man City, but also was evidently still learning. Now he's arguably one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, I would appreciate your thoughts, he says. And just some, maybe some general thoughts on Ben White as well. Like, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about him. You know, when you do pay £50 million for a player, there is spotlight. That is the reality. You can't escape that. But it, it feels to me like it's way, way too soon um, to make any kind of real judgment on him and, and how he is as a player. Yeah, I mean, we we touched upon it briefly in, in, in part one. Like, he's five games into his Arsenal career. It started off... Um, a really, really kind of turgid afternoon, evening um, against Ivan Tony and Co at Brentford, and mm. that was tricky for him. 
And as I said uh, in the first half, he's got to get used to playing with a settled team in a new team. Um, and he's being asked to, he's been, I mean, he's been asked to skippity dip a little bit every time he gets the ball <laughs> to play, to play a kind of laser pass forward. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's early, and the fact that, as you said, the, the, the stats versus the eye, the fact that the thing that he was supposed to be slightly weaker on, he was um, he, he was dominant in his defending, in his in his in his duels. Um, that's another reason why we shouldn't draw conclusions too quickly um, with a with a new player. I mean, I've started thinking you can get all the stats in your head, and I'm thinking. The one about um, his jewels and um, whether he's got the. I, I started caring about like his upper body strength and his <laughs> like just um, like sort of blinking and seeing like the athletic logo in my eyelids. Basically, it's kind of like, these kind of <laughs> lots of mad stats and stuff like that. Um, yes, <laughs> he's the he's a better defender than we had this time last season. It seems he did. Um, we saw that. Like we saw enough of him at Brighton compared to what we've had in our defence for the last two seasons. Mm. I'm I'm here with I'm here for it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for that reason alone, it's an improvement. Yeah. So yeah. the mo- the money is the money is the money. It's he's English. It happens. Brighton extracted the fee from us that they knew that they could. Um, Arteta when he gets it into his, I mean, I don't know what Arteta's like at poker, but like you know Ramsdale and White, he just kind of pinned his colours to the mast and, mm. <laughs> and the accountants were going well he's not deviating like yeah. just like his hair it, 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 it his hair moving. and his mind are not for moving <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's get every damn penny out of him yeah. so uh, look look let's see yeah i look forward to the athletic article on ben white's uh, x-pec uh you know to, to measure his <laughs> his upper body strength have you got right, one there yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah let me uh, let me get a question for you right so yes this is from sheriff uh, at sheriff kader k-a-d-e-r what was the last arsenal game where we played good football for the whole game not a move or a half but solid at the back an impressive attack all game i don't remember it this style of winning but playing crap is too much like emery mm, that's a really good question when is i mean Obviously, the League Cup game a few weeks ago, but that, I think, has to be put in a special category. I think if we're talking Premier League... Mm. Oh, I mean, I can't remember either. I mean, I think last season felt like a kind of war of attrition in a way, you mm. know, to... to What's the word that Arteta uses quite a lot? He said, we have to suffer together. And um, I think, to be fair, he made everyone suffer um, with some of the football that we played last season. Um I mean, the West Brom game that you mentioned was yeah, was a really good one. I think there were a couple of performances in the Europa League. Did we go and beat Sparta Prague or Slavia Prague 4-0 away yes. from home? But oh, you're, doing, you're doing better than me. I was going to go back to the, the FA Cup run. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there were some games last season, but they they don't happen with enough... I mean, we beat Leeds 4-2, didn't we? Uh, you know, so there were performances where I think we were we were pretty decent. It's just we don't seem to be able to do it with any kind of 
consistency. And that's why, again, I'm a, I'm a bit pleased and encouraged by the decision to, to go with that team uh, at Burnley, away from home. You know, where I think people would have understood, at least, if he'd been a bit more cautious, if he'd stuck in, you know, an extra man in midfield alongside Thomas Partey just to give us a bit more control in that area. I think some people would have said, well, that might have made a lot of sense. Um, So picking that team at least is some kind of acknowledgement that we've got to do things differently to try and do things better, to try and to try and be more dangerous as a team, to have more players on the pitch who can do the, do the thing. What do you call it? The skippity dip, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we have our back five and then we've got six skippity dippers in there to, you know, or maybe parte is only a half a skippity dip. He's a, I don't know what she is, the skippity or the, but you, you know what I mean? Just that, that, idea that we need more players on the pitch who can produce something in the attacking third is encouraging whether it plays out over the coming weeks we'll have to wait and see there are some some games obviously after the North London derby where I think you would like these games expect um, Arsenal to win on paper Um, how convincingly we can win them if we win them at all remains to be seen but um you know, I'm willing to give it another little while to wait and see what we can produce. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still super concerned about the attacking side of things. Yeah. Um, the fact that we, yeah, I mean, obviously we all are, and as we said, a lot of the questions reflect that. The fact that we're going to have to score two on Sunday because of the inevitable three, three, we're scoring three. Yeah. Oh, three. Sorry, yeah, because Remember? they're going, yeah they're getting the inevitable one from. Uh, I, well, uh, you're hurting yeah, my heart already, yeah. and it hasn't even yeah. happened. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's kind of coming. There was a question about that. I think the answer is obvious, but it does get us to it does get us to talk about it because um, we, we we can't pretend it's not going to happen. Mm. James Byrne, if I may go again, James Byrne eighty nine was asking. Ahead of the NLD, which squad would you honestly rather have? He says Spurs look dreadful, but Kane and Son are, he says, arguably world-class. Love that. Still proper Arsenal fan. They're clearly world-class, but he can't bring himself to do it. My kind of guy. Kane and Son are arguably world-class. Meanwhile, we have stacks of potential, but without any players even close to that level in the present. Mm. Uh, which, which squad would you rather have? Well, obviously ours, because they're not all Tottenham cunts. Um, I think it's Clive who says on the Arsenal Vision podcast that that Spurs have got a problem coming down the line. They don't realise it. Maybe they do realise it, but, you know, Kane's 28 and wanted to leave. Son is 29. I think he's signed a new deal, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, these guys are not getting any younger and we're sort of in that position ourselves in the attacking end, aren't we, with Aubameyang and, Mm -hmm. and Lacazette, where we've got something at least to sort out in at least one of those positions or with one of those guys uh, come the summer. So, you know, whatever, I can't possibly choose them. I just can't. You know, even if we were, I was going to say, even if we were terrible, and we have been terrible, so if we were way worse than we are right now, I still couldn't bring myself to pick them in any context whatsoever. It just goes against everything I believe in 
So I'm going to stick with ours. We've got the potential. Maybe we'll never realize it. Maybe, you know, in six months' time, we're looking at all these young players and thinking, uh-oh, that didn't work. Uh, but, you know, I have to I have to have the belief. I have to have the – I have to side with my own team. You know, there's no – 100%. There's no other position I can take. It's like I I need Arsenal to win every game. Mm. You know, whatever my concerns might be, the idea that – I could, uh, yeah, I just, I just have to believe that we can and will win every game, uh, which is why I suppose things get disappointing. You can be realistic and look at it, but my outlook is always the same. Well, which is why um, you end up having um, prefixes to the words Norwich and Burnley with, yeah, they become only Norwich, sure, only Burnley, because Arsenal have to win every game. Um, and... Um, even in the inevitable, I haven't seen too many. Um, I think after the, the storm a few years ago, nobody does those half and half teams anymore, do they? Not half of those those joint squads. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was the, that was the that the, was... the famous Ozil cup of tea gif. Uh, the guy who did that, wasn't it? Um, That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So even I think even in a even if we were still playing that game, I'd still put. Aubameyang up front just because I can't yeah not. exactly the com- that, uh, yeah the combined 11 thing is you know it's bullshit yeah he's he's due a he's due a he's due a captain's goal isn't he yeah he is where was the oh let me see if I can find this this is the bit now where I go boom 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 and you go you should be editing <laughs> this out um, I, I can't find it was it on the there discord was oh, it was on the discord hang on it was on the Discord, and it comes from... Ah, Jesus Christ. I've got it. If it's what you think... Is, was it from Mr. GSL? No, it was on the Discord from the real Chicken Dipper, who says, uh, Good morning. What time should Aubameyang leave his home for the North London Derby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saturday afternoon. Right. Saturday afternoon. Somebody give him a tent. He can sleep on the pitch like Arshavin. Remember that time when he did the Boy Scout thing? Absolutely. Well, um, I mean, Mr. GSL, Georges Lambrough has asked, I mean, should Aubameyang be dropped for the North Island Derby? Simple question and simple answer, really. Um, well, no. I'll ask you. No. Yeah, no. No, I no. wouldn't. I wouldn't drop him. I mean, he scored our goal against Norwich. I know he didn't have... Um, a goal-scoring performance against Burnley, but I think there were a couple of moments where he was in the positions where if the final ball had come to him, you know, there was one from Pepe in particular where it really just needed Pepe to roll the ball into his path, and I think it's a goal for Aubameyang, and it was one of those where the, the pass was under hit, whether it was the pitch or not the pitch um, is irrelevant. I think that was the chance where Aubameyang would have would have tucked it away and made the game safe. I think it was about halfway through the, the second half. So, no, I wouldn't mm. drop him for that. I think Lacazette will start in midweek. I think he's got to give some of the younger uh, attacking players, um, you know, Martinelli, Lacazette will probably start because I think you need to give him, if he is the, the number two striker, as he appears to be at this moment in time, you do need to give him some playing time. So I think he'll start mm. on, on Wednesday. Uh, but for me, it will be Aubameyang. You? I mean, undoubtedly, yeah. yeah. Um, run some of those players ragged at home, big mm. game. Um, got a smart that he missed the last one still. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, without a doubt. And he needs to... I, I do think there's a purple patch in, um, in him still. Again, I don't, mm. this is based on 
nothing grown up or technical, but there is a purple patch in him still because he's still a fine striker. Mm. And hopefully with them, um, as we work out our own, I think we're all in agreement that the, the attacking thing needs to be honed by them playing together. Um, and Aubameyang, yeah, Aubameyang will come again this season. He's too good not to. Yeah, I agree. Okay, look, we'll do one more before we go, and I let you get back to yeah. the miserable grey weather in whatever terrible island it is you're on. Uh, yeah, that sorry I would love about to that. Be on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, cartoon Steve Bold, who's at Cartoon Bold, he says, after Aaron Ramsdale re- uh, revealed that he and Kieran Tierney are fellow farmers... Uh, your thoughts please on which squad members would most likely have the following jobs in an alternate reality one tree surgeon two apple store genius three farmer's market burrito don and four estate agent okay so tree surgeon Mm. the first name that came to mind just was al nenny um i just think he's got an agricultural outdoorsness about him kind of just <laughs> roll his sleeves up and get on with it nothing uh nothing fancy likes i bet he's got a really i reckon now he's got rough hands calluses on the end of his hands they feel like he's done a day's work <laughs> so it's it's with that in mind that um I, you know i don't think i can't see ml smith row um as a tree surgeon no i think he's got extremely fragrant hands and has never like you know, it, the youth, the youth team. His progress has meant that he's never ever rubbed his hands along mm. the bark, because they've always been kind of um, <laughs> in the the, the 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 best beauty products. So, what was the second one? Well, the second one was Apple Store Genius, but I think you know, four was a state agent. And I have to say, like, if if you went to view a house and Callum Chambers and Ben White turned up uh, <laughs> to, to try and sell you a, a six hundred thousand pound. 100 square foot townhouse which was a former garage <laughs> you wouldn't be at all surprised would you no no i reckon ben white um gets up like licks his finger and puts his eyebrows down and <laughs> just says look the part be the part and then puts on his t- and there and is there at the front of the house and he was and him and canon chambers turn to each other and they say sell the dream babes yeah, yeah, that yeah. Day. yeah they, <laughs> definitely, they definitely, definitely have got uh, uh, an estate agent vibe to them. Yeah. What was it? Um, what was the the thing from uh, the movie with Alec Baldwin and Jack Lemmon, Glengarry Glen Ross? Glengarry Glen Ross, What yes. was it? ABC? Always be closing. Always, <laughs> yeah, Always they, be closing. Yeah. The two of them have got that, like, tattooed in gothic script on their inner arm. So if they forget, they can just look down. Oh, yeah, AB, ABC. Always absolutely, absolutely saying that to each other. And uh, <laughs> Cedric's out the back, like, looking really worried going on about the leads. Like, I just need the... <laughs> I just need... <laughs> I just need a good run in the side. That's all I need. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Apple Store Genius? Do we have one of those? It's got to be one of the younger players who, like, their phone's like uh, like, uh, like a sixth finger to him. So maybe, like, I can see Emil Smith-Rowe doing that. I could just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it just goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Just got to update it. Yeah. Just, like, just... <laughs> All right, um, yeah, he's got maybe, yeah, may, 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 maybe Emil Smith Rowe, basically. He can make his phone. He's never looked up from his phone apart from when he's played football. So mm. let's have him. And the burrito, 
Mm. Farmer's market burrito, Don. I mean, I'm only thinking of Granite Xhaka, but, you know, he, he wraps up your burrito and then fucks it at your head. <laughs> <laughs> wraps it really tightly in the cellophane and then just like, yeah, yeah. Clubs, clubs, you around the, clubs you around the head with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a question about Nuno's beard over Arteta's hair, but I can't find it. So oh, I, I think I have it. that. Uh, I had that myself. Uh, it comes from Malherb Pelser, who's at Malherb Pelser on uh, Twitter. In a battle of Arteta's hair and Nuno's beard, who would win? I mean, clearly, Arteta's hair. It's solid. Yeah. Beards, you know, they might be big. They might be fulsome, but they're uh, they're not solid. You know, you can... There's a, there's a bit more gravitas with Arteta's hair. Nuno's beard which I think over the season and certainly from Sunday will start mm. looking more ragged as uh, the more times that Lloris um, palms the ball into his own net, uh, it'll get greyer in places. Not in that good Danny Glover way of grey, like, <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Not in that kind of way, but it's just going to start, it's going to start getting unruly oh. as their season unravels. Oh, you know, remember in, um, remember in Twin Peaks, when Laura Palmer's dad, his hair went white overnight. It'd be amazing if by the end of the Derby on Sunday, Nuno's just got a great big white fucking Santa Claus beard because of the goals that Larice has thrown in and that Arsenal have scored and, and everything else. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Well, I'll be listening to see what you and James make of it, and I will hope that it's a goodly morning. I will hope so, too. Well, look, thank you very much indeed uh, for your time. Really appreciate it for taking time out of your whole day for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me as ever, um, and um, I look forward to uh, your analysis <laughs> ahead of before and after the, the North London Derby. All right. Well, look, thank you guys for being here as always. Thank you for listening and all the rest. Uh, we'll be doing some stuff on Patreon during the week as well, preview podcasts and lots more besides. So until then, take it easy and we'll catch you on the next one. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com